your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday, a Science Wednesday. If Mrs. Photon is in here, Spencer Wilkin, we're going to talk science. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get on here. And I mean, when, and and I will say, I, 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 I kind of like take advantage of this now because you come on here quite a bit. You are the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh physics yep physics kind of your main your main stay physics is my my og uh area that i study your old gangsta yes my og (laughs) original um and then what would you say okay if you had top three things that this is the science that i can science the most top three do you have Uh, top three stars like stellar astrophysics is my favorite one uh birds and then T-Rexes. Oh, T-Rexes for real? No, like like paleontology was was my thing all through high school, like up to high school. I and then I learned paleontologists didn't make money. <laughs> it's it's actually not that great. But so I went really hard into biology because of dinosaurs. What is the the name for people that go and dig whatever they call it? I just forgot. I do this all the time. I blank on archaeologists. Archaeologists, right? Yes. They're, they're the ones that study, like, human remains. Uh, that's oh, too recent. But what about people that study dinosaur remains? Paleontologists. Pale- oh, it is just, like, Yeah, paleo the- is the old. Okay, so the theologist <laughs> is just, the, like, I'm going to go dig in the ground? Because mm-hmm. those people are... I, I can't see that being a very profitable job. And then maybe... And then you find, like, a dinosaur leg. But how is that profitable? Well, if you can sell it. I mean, the market right now for bones and skeletons has exploded. So a lot of private collectors are now purchasing bones and, like, full T-Rex skeletons. So if you have a couple million laying around, now's the time to buy yourself a full dinosaur skeleton. It sounds, it sounds like now is not the time because they would be the price would be the highest. We have to go – we have to wait until the the demand for T-Rex skeletons drops, right? Oh, that's They are constantly discovering have, more. If you have a couple of T-Rex bones lying around, now is the time to sell them, right? Oh, yeah, also true. There's a high demand, a lot of market. What about the moon rock? You brought a moon rock in here. Was it a moon rock or just like a meteor? So really that was a meteor. meteor. It was without a moon rock. Uh, demand was, for those? Uh, variable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think we looked it up on eBay that day. You brought that big Yeah, it was like clump. 500, 600 bucks. <laughs> and then sometimes it's like $3. But that's like, you know, lowest bid. Uh, 608-785-7914. Okay, so on the docket today is uh, there's no rhyme or reason. You tried to make this show a rhyme or reason with the theme of green, but then I I think <laughs> I green. I think I ruined that just by adding some of my own topics like sugary drinks leads Mountain to Dew. men's hair loss. Oh um, yeah, Mountain Dew is green. Yeah, there yep. you go. And I don't drink that at all. Actually, I drink Code Red, so it's not green. So. Not green. Um, let's see here. I'll just do mine. The, the city's climate action plan. I just I wonder if we can get a take on, you know. That's th- still green. Green is like. Yeah, or lack of green. Change. Or right? lack of like, green. I guess if climate, we're going to talk about droughts. Uh, that was the other one. There's a, the, the drought, the supercharged weather of 2022. What did that lead to? Um, and then, you know, this was kind of yours is. This is anti-green. Beavers destroying Alaska. Yeah, that's wild. This is, a. I mean, that, and I just want to share one really brief historical story about beavers. About beavers, yeah. They're just so, so weird. We might do Beaver Talk PM here in the next segment. And then 
your your big I guess oh and then we have space news so yeah, we have like four it. topics of space news including including a green uh, comet I wrote comet. meteor but it's a is is a meteor a comet no not, like the front of it is a big meteor no not at all no I mean like what is a meteor a uh, meteor is a rock that is coming through Does it have atmosphere to hit the atmosphere oh, okay I think I don't actually know if it Huffs. comets are big that's right. what I know comets are bigger. Yeah, what turns a when when an asteroid hits the atmosphere, does it then become a meteor? Uh, yes, and it's still an asteroid. And it's still an asteroid. <laughs> okay, so we have a green comet that we're going to be able to see. If, I th- I think if you just look up, you probably need you obviously you'd be better off with a telescope or something, but you you should be able to see it with your naked eye. Uh, we have that. We have James Webb. Uh, is it a telescope? What do we call it? Yep, James Webb Space Telescope. Space Telescope. Okay, the James Webb Sta- Space Telescope. We have some news there. We have black hole news. Oh yeah, this is this is a quick but very exciting for those amateur scientists out there. Black hole sun. And then the last thing uh, that I always bring up every time is uh, when are we going to land people back on the moon? We haven't done that since the seventies, so we'll get to that at the end <laughs> of the show. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. Uh, Let's see here. We do have a call. So let's go to the phones. Is this, hey, Jeff? Is this Jeff? Yes, it is, Jeff. Hey, hey Jeff, do you have a question for Spencer? Yeah, I was going to call. I was calling about that uh, green comet or whatever it was. I remember back when Haley's Comet came around and there was another one, Hale Bop or whatever. Uh-huh. I went. I left town and went out on a dark ridge. And I was really disappointed because it, <laughs> Even with binoculars, I could barely see Halley's Comet and the tail. I was wondering if this thing is going to be any where, better James, than... Uh, uh, Jeff, where did you go? As, uh, Jeff, where did you go to check it out? So I guess that's it. Yeah, Jeff, where did you go to check it out? Where did you drive to? Um, I went on a ridge above Stoddard in in 1984 or something like that. Okay. All right, cool. So, to answer your question uh, quickly, this comet is not going to be a showstopper with visually. It's just it's going to be a little bit more dim. It's the color, the unique coloration that really sets this comet apart. So uh, it, it would probably be best viewed with binoculars, not really a visible eye. And you can take advantage of the local dark sky sites around that will make it a little bit cooler. But it's not going to be the, the best. It's just going to be weirdly colored yeah i don't have these off the top of my head but i did a whole show on dark skies we have a couple of parks that aren't all that far from here that are you know changing their landscape to just be better off looking at the stars essentially Mm -hmm. but but i think maybe to jeff's point i think maybe a lot of these are oh (laughs) like when you unless you have like a pretty good telescope right this stuff is probably all kind of over over overhyped uh comment i I remember reading that uh comment uh, that comets are kind of like cats and that they're incredibly uh, variable in energy. So you could get lucky and see this one really peak if it passes through like some dust and really burns, right? Um, or it just happens to get a little closer than we thought because comets are, aren't, aren't like perfectly predictable. So there is a chance that this one could be a beautiful green fireball, but unlikely. All right. So what is the coolest thing that you've seen in space when – when just looking up, maybe I don't know. Have you ever looked into something that's really powerful in space? Have you have you gone yeah. to somewhere oh, and done that? Yeah. So the University of Illinois actually has a telescope that was used by Hubble. It's a historical, like from 1899. It's a 12 inch diameter lens. I, you could see 
everything. Like, mm-hmm. the planets here are almost too close for this thing to look at. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. It's like when I turn, like when I get my camera out to take a picture and it's on selfie mode by accident, and then I'm like, oh, it's my too face. Close. <laughs> That's kind of like when you're looking you at see, Venus or something through this thing. Oh, yeah, you like, can oh. see your reflection in, in the planet. So what do you? What what is the coolest thing you've seen through we that? We looked at the uh, star cluster in Orion's belt. It's like 14 stars, like all in a little that cluster. That seems a little, like, invasive. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Orion's like, hey, whoa, whoa, eyes up here, buddy. <laughs> it was, that was really neat. It was such a clear night. Um, Have you done anything? Like, when I was a kid, I think sophomore, junior year, we went to, uh, I forget, the Cliff, something, Cliff State Park. I can't think of the, the first part of it, back by Appleton. Um, and then we could see the Northern Lights. So we mm-hmm. just sat up on one of these, like, fire towers and just chilled and watched the northern lights that you don't get to see that often is there do you have anything like what is the coolest thing that you've just seen without yeah so uh even though i lived in southern illinois there was one storm sorry uh, about that by the way yeah it's okay um <laughs> i've improved i've since moved so i actually got to see the red bit like a little red end of the northern lights it was so strong that it actually showed up in our sky i was like a little kid mm-hmm. and i remember we were standing um, next to our chicken coop, and we got to see those lights. All right, very original, Spencer. Like, just, I do northern lights, and then you do. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Spencer Wilkin is Mrs. Photon. She was Miss Photon up until, like, two months ago, I think. Uh, but she's a UW Lacrosse Outreach Coordinator. We We bring her on. Every couple of weeks, and then we just we just go sciency talk. And if you got calls, if you have questions, uh, Jeff Jeff called in and, and asked about um, Haley Hale Bob and, and Haley's comment. And then he called during the break and just said he could see the Northern Lights. I think he said back in the fifties and back in the seventies, in just just in Lacrosse because we didn't have as much light pollution. And I, I will just bring up I I did a whole dark sky show um, as when we're talking about trying to convert areas. To to kill this light pollution, there are three parks in Wisconsin, in western Wisconsin, I should say, that are considered dark sky parks where you can just go and look up and see the stars probably better than anywhere. Um, the Kickapoo Valley Reserve is one of those, Wildcat Mountain State Park, and Tunnelville Cliffs State Natural Area. Those are the three kind of around here if you just wanted to go and check out space. Um, but yeah, so 608-785-7914, what are we doing? Are we doing beaver talk now? It sounds let's, really funny. Let's do it. It's, it's, let's do it. Let's so just dive there, right in. There's a, this isn't a, like, this isn't like great news, like it's, this story, right? It's not surprising though. So beavers as a creature are known for their ability to shape landscapes. They, they are incredibly either constructive or destructive depending on where they're placed. Uh, so it, it, what we see here is in Alaska, uh, Beaver populations have kind of taken advantage of the thawing uh, permafrost up there to to move further and further north and then build dams on rivers that previously didn't have any. And what this is doing is it's flooding areas that weren't flooded before. It's it's a major change, That's and the, the changes are actually so significant that they're visible from, from space. You can see it on satellites. Um, it's where a river once was quite thin. It is now very bulbous. Yeah, it looks like it just has, like, giant... Uh, you know, I, like a this snake is that ate a bunch so of these, mice. These might be lakes here at this point because we're mm-hmm. looking at a we're looking at a picture between 1980 and, ni- and t- 2019 where the 1980 picture looks like just a little pencil line 
down the middle of, you know, whatever that is. Is that just winter? Yeah. On the top, it's brown, but it's probably winter, right? Like, yep. there's permafrost. Yep. Just and on the, the bottom, it, that, that, little, that little squiggly pencil line has turned into blobs, which just look like black lakes or, or well, it's black and white photo. It look like lakes. So, yeah, beaver is wreaking havoc. But is this a bad thing? Because, A, the, the environment is changing whether or not there are beavers there, right? Because you talk about the permafrost, like, mm-hmm. n- not being permafrost It's part anymore. of a bigger picture of change, yeah. yeah. And so whenever you think of climate change, the last instrument of change you think of is probably a beaver but they are they are huge components in their ecosystems and so if they're moving and changing where they are if there were people living along this river their houses would be flooded by this major change if you had a little house or a little cabin next to a river and a beaver moves in it could fundamentally change your property lines it could eradicate your property if they're if they're uh, tenacious enough so we need to uh put a check on beaver populations is that what you're saying maybe well we've tried uh in the past and <laughs> well, we've turns tried out the opposite right well, like this is the other half of this news yeah. it's not even news is like <laughs> 60 well, unless years you ago do 60 year old news 70 but also i will just bring up uh if anyone's bored out there and wants to watch really funny videos just just do like beaver animal rescue dams <laughs> uh-huh. um and then you can watch beavers that are in animal rescues or people that are they take them home some of the rescuers take them home and then the beavers just go and grab all your shoes and jackets and, <laughs> and floor mats and doormats and uh, everything. And they try to build dams in your house, which is totally hilarious. It's adorable. Uh, it's truly adorable. Uh, which makes you just kind of want a beaver, like, in your house and for a minute, probably. And Until probably, you lose like, your shoes. Well, nobody ever thinks about, like, where does, what does the beaver's got to go to the bathroom? What does a beaver smell like? I know. Like, well, I mean, castor oil, that's the beaver scent. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, that's what beavers smell like. Uh, 608-785-7914. Okay, before before we... I got to tell you, uh, real quick, I got to tell you about okay. beaver history. If you okay, have it. We, well, you go to the phone here because this oh, guy's... Oh, yes. Like, we could do a... We'll pause here. Um, is this Tom? Yeah. Tom, you got a question for Spencer? I do. Thank you very much, both of you. I enjoy your conversation. I have a couple questions. Your guest... Uh, uh, I admire she's uh, so interested in the solar science. Retroactively, does she know anything about uh, uh, the 12,000-year uh, solar cycle of, of major uh, solar ejections uh, rather than solar pulses? And uh, also how... Historically, it's uh, it's it's more cataclysmic. I'm sorry, I'm old and had a stroke. Uh, is it uh, is it a cat related to cataclysmic events throughout the world history that even some that's not recorded? And is there a discussion amongst uh, scientists? A debunking man-made climate change versus solar events uh, I, I mentioned. All right. Yeah, Jeff, that, yeah that's not. Yeah, Tom, hold tight. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so the uh, solar cycles are, are a thing. Uh, I don't know the time frame you're referring to, but the solar cycles that I am familiar with are the ones that are, like, I think every... 11 years. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty short time. So the sun will go through... Uh, wanes of of activity within its surface where the the sunspots will increase and decrease as the 
holes and the mag- magnetism inside shift. And so as those things are moving around inside the sun, it creates uh, more likelihood of flares, of solar flares. And solar activity uh, can impact Earth, uh, but only very, very little. Uh, and so, Tom, Tom, uh, what yep, we're seeing yep. uh, on Earth and, and the change that, that we're observing are independent of solar activity. And so we look, we look over the, the uh, our, luckily our sun is, is pretty predictable in its cycles, uh, and we can extrapolate back to when it peaked in its activities and, um, and, and then correlate that to changes in temperature. And it's not, it's just very minor uh, if, if it does have an impact. It is and, funny that you said the sun has very, what did you say, very little effect on the earth, something oh, like that? Oh, the changes in the sun. Yeah. I'm sorry. Our sun is massively important. Uh, And so, Tom, to be candid, I don't know about this longer cycle you might be suggesting. So if there's a 12,000-year cycle, something quite major, really long-term changes, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, maybe he's thinking... uh, But short-term cycles are known, and they're they're really well... Monitored. Is he thinking coincidentally right around the Industrial Revolution was also this time where the 12,000-year cycle of the sun gets – where the sun emits more energy and burns the earth, and therefore that's why we have drought and not man-made climate change. Very coincident. Uh, but anyway, okay, thanks for the call, Tom. That was that was a, a pause in our beaver talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean so, – So aside from beavers wreaking havoc on the Alaska tundra, along with climate change wreaking havoc, allowing the beavers to wreak other havoc, and maybe or maybe not this is havoc depending on if, you know, who's living there, I guess. Um, this breaking news from 60 years ago. Yeah, or where, longer, 1948. 1948. <laughs> oh, was it Because I was watching a YouTube video from like the 70s. So <laughs> anyway, some, some places have too many beavers and other places in history didn't have enough beavers. And to get beavers there, we did what? Oh, okay. So scientists. Wait, is that, am I even right there? We needed beavers in an area? Well, so they just needed to move them. I don't actually know the oh, why. Okay. We just need, so we didn't want to kill them all. Yeah. Uh, and, and so either they needed to be reintroduced into an area or they just needed to be moved from one to another. Um, I mean, beaver populations were decimated in the early 1800s for hats and pelts. So at one time there had for probably anyone been. anyone played the Oregon Trail. Yeah, yes. you know this. Um, and so either they had to be reintroduced to this area. It was an incredibly remote area. So it was very difficult to access uh, by uh, one of two ways, either mules or plane. Well, scientists tried yeah, to. because re- in 1948, we didn't have four-wheelers. No, so we, we did had, not have four-wheelers. How are we going to transport a bunch of beavers to this remote area because they need to be relocated? They needed to be relocated. A lot of them did. Um, and they tried mules, and turns out mules and beavers don't mix. They're oil and water. Uh, the, mules will kill a beaver, as it How turns does this out. Work. I want to know. Okay, so the other half of these equations interesting, but first of all, did they have them on a leash? Like we're going to walk <laughs> a beaver? Like a <laughs> no, they had them in, in crates. But beavers are clever. They will escape, and then mules don't like it. And as then it turns mules out. probably go crazy if they there's a crazy. beaver running around. Then they fight. Okay, so the alternative to that was what? Uh, so they built specialized crates that would break apart on impact, and they dropped them. From planes parachuted them down into this area uh, and so it i just it, it worked it actually worked out of the what 75 beavers only one didn't make it uh and they re- successfully reintroduced beavers to this like remote forest in idaho parachuting beavers i mean that's it's a great that's what beaver drop the, is what it was i wonder what i wonder how we would as a society would take that right now like would PETA be like we are not parachuting beavers or would they be, you know, like, obviously we have better means of, of transport. The other thing, too, the video I was watching where they parachute a beaver and then somebody was recording the parachute coming down. 
and the box breaking open, mm-hmm. the beaver running away. And I'm like, well, how did you get there? You could have just brought the beaver. So, um, but obviously they needed test run. They needed the test the run. The first yeah. beaver they dropped was nicknamed Geronimo. More than a bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We want to get in here. Spencer Wilkin, Mrs. Photon, UW Lacrosse Outreach Coordinator in studio, talking science today. Uh, we spent the last segment talking beavers. And the segment before that, well, we kind of ran down everything, but we did hit on um, some... some Comet! We, we, we Kind of spoiler alert, we previewed some of the space news we're going to talk about next segment. But it's anyway. Just, it's just so cool, you know? Um, all right. So you you are, you are you said at the beginning of the show one of your expertises is, is dinosaurs. I just love dinosaurs. My favorite dinosaur is Parasaurolophus. Uh, you might know it as the one with the giant banana head. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's iconic. The name isn't, but the dinosaur itself is. Um, Woohoo. Always made fun of he was back then. They're like, hey, banana head. Yeah. They have, he got bullied. Bana- you think they had bananas back in dinosaur No, days? I don't think so. No? Pro- nope. Probably. I mean, like, not the way we have them. That's that's the result of humans getting oh, in there and making them well, better. We messed up ban- bananas? But- yeah, that's why. So bananas are, like, super susceptible to disease because there's yeah. only one. They're all from the same plant. Well, all they're, the ba- well and they're, they're right now, they're, like, going through that. I think there's, like, diseases, threatening, threatens, threats of a banana shortage. Uh, if you read about, we should that. be covering this. I don't. I didn't know about the banana I mean, shortage. Yeah, well, in, they're forty nine cents at Woodman's, and that's what I like about the bananas. They're very cheap. I go to Quattro. They're a little cheaper there. Really? Um, oh my gosh, Woodman's <laughs> let me down. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Quattro every <laughs> once in a while I'll just have a banana sale for a month. It's just weird. We're just gonna make bananas cheaper, but maybe they're in season at that point because on the southern side of the earth, there our seasons are opposite, right? Is it southern or the op- yeah southern side, southern hemisphere? But mm-hmm. anyway. So, in in terms of your being an expert on dinosaurs and <laughs> enthusiasts, maybe, maybe obsessed and enthusiastic about them, um, you wanted to talk about the T. There's a, a new journal entry that just came out. Um, it's, it's the hot new topic. Okay, so the 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 the, the main subject here is that the Tyrannosaurus Rex is smarter than the average bear. No, a pri- it's about as it's smarter than we thought. It's okay, smart. But wh- who who is the person that was thinking a T-Rex is dumb? So the only thing I can think of is because the T-Rex has short arms and a lot of memes nowadays are like, I can't reach this. So mm-hmm. we, do we think the T-Rex is dumb? We as the regular people population, just normal people, because of the short arms and we make funny memes about how a T-Rex can't reach things? <laughs> Because why would I we ever... accidentally intro- we socially introduced a problem for scientists to solve. They're like, we're tired of society thinking dinosaurs are dumb, so we're going to prove that they're smart. Yeah, because, because of the I, memes. Th- like, why would I think? Di- First of all, I think maybe all dinosaurs were dumb because I th- was there? Isn't there a thing in in school where T. Rexes had tiny brains? Yeah, so isn't there is a, the there's thing? a really common misconception, and um, that has to do with the larger mm-hmm. an animal's mass is, the smaller the brain. Well. The, then the brain has to do more, right? It's the the relationship between the animal size and its brain play a role in its intelligence. That's why our brains are so huge compared to the size of our bodies. We are seen uh, this was this is true up to like two thousands as intelligent because our body mass 
brain ratio are, yeah, are brain to body ratio. Yes, brain to body ratio. B to BBR. Yes. So, uh, and this is there are still some uh, creatures that this applies to, as far as we can tell. The really, really big dinosaurs, like the ones that are referred to as long necks, they're still considered dumb. Also uh, made fun of. Hey, yeah, you know, hey, but like um, the Potosaurus and Diplodocus and those dinosaurs. Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus, yep. Wait, is that a dinosaur? Which is the dinosaur that I thought all my life was a dinosaur? So there, uh, it was no Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus. They went through some oh, okay. uh, controversies. Kind of like um, Pluto. Yeah, kind of like Pluto. Okay, it is, and then it isn't, and then, and then it, it is, is again. Two thousand. That's two thousand fifteen news. Okay, so scientists, and is this another one of those scientists were bored, so we're going to figure out how smart T Rexes were? I mean, if if boredom led to they, they it wasn't just T Rexes. It's they just. They just did something very offensive to dinosaurs, and they ranked them on intelligence. Oh, In good. this paper is just like pterosaurus, stegosaurus, triceratops, alamosaurus, uh, T-Rex. I think the audience right now that that's listening is going, wow, I don't remember a lot of these dinosaur names. A couple of them you say, I'm like, yep, I remember that one, uh, not that one. I think I, you, whatever you listed there I, was every other one. It was Allosaurus? Familiar. You that one? That one's like T-Rex, but... I think maybe that was... Carnotosaurus? No, okay. So that anyways, one, no, not at all. Turns okay. out there's there's a bunch. Um and there's even fake ones like Trodontosaurus or Trodontus. Okay, but um what this scientist did is he's like, I think we can figure out how smart dinosaurs actually are. But there was a couple fundamental problems in the way um before scientists could determine their brain neural density. And that has to do with whether or not dinosaurs were cold-blooded or warm-blooded. Uh warm-blooded creatures traditionally have a more dense neural network than those that are cold-blooded. Uh, and it turns out T-Rexes are what are called metho- mesotherms, so they're kind of like a hybrid between. But that's really hard to determine from rocks, right? You're studying rocks to Wait, determine t- the temperature. A, t- a T-Rex is a hybrid between warm and cold-blooded? Yeah, they're not actually cold-blooded. So they're not quite an EV, but they're not internal combustion engines either. Good. So they're in the middle. They're in the middle. Yeah, yeah they're hybrid. Um, and so what they did is they looked at uh, birds that are very similar to T-Rexes, and uh, then they just took the inside of the T-Rex's brain, and they're like, all right, how much brain would fit in there? And they used the density of a bird's brain, and this is there's a quite a bit of research into how they actually uh, did this, and they're like, all right, if T-Rexes have a brain this big that is this dense, and everything else that we have suggests it could be, how smart would a T-Rex be? And the answer is, T-Rexes could have theoretically had, like, cultures and been smart enough to play tricks and teach things to other... Things that we see primates do in zoos and and things like that, T-Rex could have done. Yeah, T-Rex would be like, if you need to reach this, this is a good way to do that because your arms are short. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute, are birds smart? Yeah, some birds are, not all birds. When I call you bird brain, is that... Am I complimenting you now? <laughs> no. Maybe not you, but a T-Rex. If a T-Rex uh, box by, I'm like, hey, bird brain. You'd be like, yeah, I am kind of a bird brain. So Literally. I guess in like the hierarchy of animals, if you just tr- you really can't group all birds together, it's kind of tough uh, because intelligence is well, quite variable. it's a variable. really weird thing to go T-Rexes and birds. Ostriches or the birds that they were. <laughs> right. Ostriches and emus. What are we doing there? Where they're... they're, where they're um, like Mark, because parrots are incredibly intelligent. Owls, not so much. Uh, Galliforms, chickens um, are, are... Well, you just threw this out there. This is a thing I've listened yeah. to podcasts about. Owls variable. aren't smart. 
No, they're not. We have owls, like owl commercials where owls wear glasses and they're thought to be these smart animals. Owls are dumb. Owls are owls are not considered smart in the echelon of birds. Yeah, that's crazy. But crows and well, owls so, in, yeah. in general, too. Like you, you versus an owl, you'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could take an owl in a trivia game. Yeah, for sure. So, um, all right. So T-Rexes are smarter and they could teach things. What what would a T-Rex be teaching? What, a teaching its child? So, like hunting strategies. Yeah. Um, and. So some, I mean, like advanced hunting strategies, not just think, basic. Yeah, and, I'm thinking like, a, okay, so like if you ever watch or read about wolves, they have they have pretty significant hunting strategies yeah, right? where they, pack, incredible hierarchies. they hunt in wolf packs, right? Um, and that's what they're thinking is happening here, because, but because very if, advanced. For a T-Rex, for me, thinking a T-Rex hunting, right? Like, it's just... Like it's loud. Like, what is a T Rex gonna sneak up in you? A T Rex is gonna run after you and bite your head off. Like, what what kind of T Rex hunting strategies could there possibly be? Uh, I mean, I guess like being able to read terrain better. Yeah, I guess. Step, not knowing not to step on a branch that'll make noise. <laughs> <Peter> this <laughs> step on a branch. You mean step on? I gotta I gotta not step on this tree. This here because tree. This tree is gonna be really loud. Well, so what? So what this is gonna lead to? It's it's just it's going to encourage scientists whenever they're looking at fossil records of of dinosaurs to look at them differently. So what was before just like walking paths, like footprints in rock, could actually now suggest. Something more was intelligent. Either dinosaurs placing their feet where other dinosaurs walked before, right? We can look for packed tactics hidden within the fossils, intelligence in their remains. And so that's it. That's what this is. We Dinosaurs might have been smarter. Not pterosaurs, not stegosaurs, not tri- triceratops. Sorry, kiddos, those are still dumb. But some of them, theropods, might have been much Just smarter. Just based on, also, based on their brain density yes. in comparison with birds. Also... Is this true? Like a lot of dinosaurs sounded like birds. So when you think T Rex and you know, like like uh, what Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. they actually are more like <laughs> like they sound like birds. Is that, <laughs> that, do you know this? Do you, I, have you heard this one? So the only sound I know is the Parasaurolophus one. If you go to like the uh, Museum of Science and Industry or Natural History, uh, you can actually like blow in a horn and make a Parasaurolophus noise. Oh, good. And it doesn't sound like a bird. Oh, but it doesn't. It okay. doesn't. It's like a, a wooga. Okay, I tried to look this up, but all the videos on on YouTube are like nine minutes long, and I'm sure they just buried the because they want to build up. Like spoiler alert, we're going to talk about not spoiler alert, but we're not going to spoil the sound. You're going to make you listen to all the the y- yimmer yimmer yammer uh, before that. I don't know what yimmer yammer is. I just it's the sound up. a dinosaur makes. All right, are we gonna are we gonna do the rest of our space talk after this? We didn't even get to the. Uh, the city's climate action plan. I know you didn't deep dive into this, but the city council is going to pass a climate action plan. It's an eight-year, which now could be a seven-year plan, but 2023 actually encapsulates it as well. Um, some of the some of the stuff on here. I don't know. Did you did, did do you do you like some of the stuff that they're doing? I mean, it's a 170-page document, so you're not deep diving. But one of the things that Sam wrote here by 2050, Lacrosse will see an increase in average temperatures between four and six degrees. That's a lot. Four and six degrees. That yeah. seems too much. It's actually. a lot. It's that's really significant considering uh changes of that scale are not not that quick. Because I mean, looking back at history, that those ch- those uh, changes have happened, but they're over thousands of years. Yeah, and we're I mean, we're just talking about like half a degree worldwide, right? Like mm-hmm. isn't that the the kind of echelon we're at like this half degree, two degree? Yeah. Echelon where it's going to be devastating. We're trying to keep under that. 
so yes, and and the the world average is is actually you know it really does cover up spikes in certain areas. Right. Well, four to six degree would be a quite a quite a spike in the cross. Uh, Fifteen to twenty more days a year that would reach ninety five degrees. That sounds terrible. That's and, awful. Uh, higher. 95 or higher, and then a 69% increase in the use of air conditioning. We probably need to, in the next 20 years, think about a better, more efficient way to condition our air in our houses. Yeah, air conditioners uh, pull a lot of energy. I mean, anyone who pays an energy bill can see that. Um, I th- one thing I, I do want to know is if they address uh, the salination left, like the salt residue left on roads. Is yeah. that something that they mentioned? If you, do you remember reading about that? that? That is something the city... We'll talk about. I think there's even if you go to the the website, there's a they have a whole thing on that. They're, they're, that is something the city is thinking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think state to state, it depends on what state you're in. If they're as a statewide, you know what we're not going to sell the roads. It is important here because the Mississippi River's right here. We're in a marsh, right? Like yep. there's a, so the incredi- of salt. The environment that we live in is incredibly incredibly susceptible to uh, salination differences. Yeah. Uh, that's the right salt difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, that doesn't sound like a real word, but yeah, it's it's very susceptible to that, and so that's something I would I would love to see us have a very clear plan on handling. It's the stupid English language, like it's salt and then Saltier. salination. Mm-hmm. It should be saltination. <laughs> come salt, on, desaltination. We shouldn't be salting the nation at all. All right, we're gonna do space talk when we come back. All right, we decided next time spencer comes on we're gonna do salt talk pm do a whole show on salt 608 it won't be a it won't be a coolie regions cook though we won't be cook any cook i don't know are you gonna talk about cooking with the salt yeah not brine road brine yeah. road brine recipes your possum comes pre-salted your po- Wait, if you what? eat roadkill <laughs> we just kill a possum why no, are you killing i mean of all, things, of all the ki- things to kill uh on the road, you kill the possum, like I my mean, favorite animal. They're adorable. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're going to eat roadkill, it's not going to be a skunk. <laughs> I'm not going to eat roadkill, period. Although some people do, deer and whatnot. Yeah, deer. Spencer Absolutely. Wilkin, Spencer Wilkin is uh, the UW Lacrosse Outreach Coordinator. Um, and we she comes on once a month to talk science. And she has this passion for space I just talk, space news. Space, sh- space shenanigans, space really. Shenan- SS's. Um, and so we, we did, we, we already talked about the green comet that's yes. going to come early next month and you may or may not be able to see it depending on, uh, with your naked eye. Is that you, how you, you say should it? be able to things? see it with your, your, yeah, your naked eye, your unaided eye. <laughs> unaided eye, yep. Um, and, but if you have a pair of binoculars, you should be able to get a pretty good view. And I'll just say this again. We do have some dark sky parks where the, the light is minimal. So the Kickapoo Valley Reserve, Wildcat Mountain State Park, and Tunnelville Cliffs State Natural Area. So when you're, when you're thinking about like, oh, I want to go look at the stars, those are the three places kind of in the area to do that. Don't go to Granddad Bluff. You won't be able to see anything. Um, all right. So next on on the list here, we got a couple minutes. Uh Black hole talk. Yeah, we... two things, real quick. So, I, literally two. It's a uh, uh, the Astrophysical Journal letter has been very busy, and uh, they just published that scientists have been probably wrong about black holes and what we've been seeing when we look at them. Been wrong about black holes. So, whenever we look at a black hole, it's probably two of them. We just haven't had the appropriate resolution to actually see it. So, we see this in stars all the time. The common joke is three out of every two. Stars you see are actually a binary system, um, but they're so far away they look like one. So are black holes like couples? Yeah, 
There's like maybe a male and a few. There's always two black holes. So maybe? it's well, we don't know, but we found one that's that was close enough to Earth, and they were just far enough apart. I think it was 740 million light years apart, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. And they're they're spinning around, and scientists are like, "Oh shoot, there's two there." This whole time we thought there was one, and so whenever we are going and looking at all these photos of black holes. Maybe not the most famous ones, but lots of little ones. There might actually have been two there the whole time. So all that we know about all the data we've been collecting about gravitational waves, um, it might not be the impact of one, but rather two, a binary system spinning around. And so th- the question is, how common is this? You know, but uh, we we do know that it took us like seven telescopes to actually make out the resolution needed to see there were two there. Well, my next question was, does a lot of this news come because we now have a James Webb telescope that's yeah. just better than ever, better than anything we've had, and therefore we can go look at these, like, we're going to turn the telescope over here and check out the black hole? This, uh, I don't think this was actually James Webb. Okay. This was a web of telescopes yeah, that have it. all seen major advancements. Yeah, you spoiled my, my but I threw it out there anyway. <laughs> um, we're just doing, we're just using the James Webb telescope to look at Orion's belt. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, those... just getting get there. Get, hey, uh, nice belt, Orion. That's what I'm looking at, your belt. Uh, um, all right, but you do have James Webb news. Too. I do. And so uh, just a week ago, like this week in Seattle, the is American. It common, is it common knowledge, if I just say James Webb, like if I say Hubble telescope, a, it has telescope in it. But do I need to say the James Webb telescope? I need to probably add that. You could probably just say James Webb. Yeah, I, I have a fish so. named James Webb. I'm not doing the George Webb anymore, the hamburger joint in Milwaukee that I used to go to. So, uh, quickly, the uh, James Webb uh, data was just talked about in the AS, AAS meeting in Seattle this week. And it is leading to a lot of controversies. So, we are learning that the universe is either... Older than we thought, or it isn't, um, and that galaxies formed sooner than we thought, or they didn't. Um, and this timeline shift is proving to be very controversial. I talked about this on previous shows. Uh, like it's a, it's called a Z score. The higher the Z score, the older the galaxy. And scientists are trying to argue whether or not galaxies form sooner rather than later. And this impl- uh, has a lot of implications for our timeline and our understanding of. Um, the universe's development. So they're arguing like completely opposite. Where they're, are we? Are we, you know, I'm leaning a little bit more older than the younger. <laughs> so, the universe is older. Like who, who's winning this argument? So uh, what's, what's happening um, is that they, James Webb suggests that there were galaxies forming way sooner than we thought uh, that we, cause we can see ones that are farther away. Yeah. And so, but Which everyone is very, older. yeah, they're older. Um, and because light takes time to travel. So I don't know who's winning. If James Webb is winning, then we just have to go back and readdress our timelines. Is James Webb alive? Because it'd be funny if like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm looking at my own. Te- I'm looking at this stuff through my own telescope. I don't I, think he is. I don't think he is. We should name this stuff after people that are like that are alive. See, Maybe but just... it's the problem, the same thing that we have with American currency. Like, you don't make it with living people, because then they can still introduce controversy. But anytime someone famous that we all love dies, then we pay tribute to them after they die. We need to do the tribute, like the golden girl lady that just died. We kind of paid tribute to her for years. Betty White? Years. Betty White, yes. Uh, the Betty White Space Telescope. The Betty White Space Telescope. <laughs> Thanks, Spencer. 